This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. It's so good to have um, our senior leader. I don't even know what to say. Stephen Christie. Stephen Christie in the house. There is a sense of covering. There's always a sense of like, yeah, you just, you just sense this presence, this covering over the house, and it's just really good to have you guys. And I missed you guys personally. <laughs> All right. Um, I did want to say something. Um, Andrew, do you mind if I bug you? Okay. Andrew, this is going to be his last week. Um, He's moving to Florida. What? No. No, just stay right there. Yes. Can you just stretch your... We want to send him out as an arrow because he's going there, right? And so we want to send him out as an arrow that God would send him out there. Holy Spirit, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would lead and direct every step. Father, we just pray that you would guide him that you would speak to him, that even though right here, he's, he's, he has a family here, that we are there with him, we are, we are blessing him, and that he would go forth and that he would do your will and do your work as he goes out to Florida. And we just want to bless him with a full blessing of abundance and overflow, and that everywhere he goes, the kingdom will go with him, and he will know it. In Jesus' name we pray. And in agreement, we all say, amen. Amen. All right. All right, so let's finish this series. Living, um, we've been talking about living in the kingdom eternal reality. And we're not always talking when we talk about living in the kingdom. A lot of people think I'm talking about eternal future. Like we have this idea that everything happens in the future. Everything's about when we go to heaven. Everything's about the pie in the sky, right? And it's not. It's actually about living in... Are you saying something to me? Steak on the plate. Okay. Steak on the plate while you wait. Um, Everything is about... It's about kingdom reality now that we can actually walk and abide in the secret place in this environment, in this setting, and that we can actually be comfortable in discomfort. We can be lights in darkness, and we can shine even when it's terribly dark and things are going awful and, you know, evil everywhere. We can walk in his fullness and not be impacted and affected by it and not walk in fear. Today we're going to talk about how with, with him, we lose nothing. We lose nothing with him. He will never let you go without paying you back. Everything you lose today will be given back to you at some point, tenfold, a hundredfold. You lose nothing when you are generous. You lose nothing. We try to cling so tight to things, but when we release them and when we relinquish them and we let them go, God is actually able to bless us in abundance. There's this really weird principle in the kingdom. It's, 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 it's God math. It doesn't work out. It doesn't ever work out. Like, you can't figure it out. Why, why in the world, when I give to the kingdom first, how do I have extra money? 
How am I not in deficit? How am I, how am I, how are my needs met? I put it out here on, on the list and I, I made the budget. How in the world am I not, how, how is all this stuff getting taken care of? That's God math. It's the same way when you do the, the beginning of your day. It's the same way when you give God your time. It's the same way when you give God your energy. You lose nothing with him. And it doesn't mean it's always going to play out like that. Sometimes it's going to play out in years to come. We make this statement because we've heard it. And, um, and I believe it, okay? I'm not saying I don't believe it, but there's the statement of doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is insanity. I'm pretty sure that that is not the dictionary definition of insanity. Um, but, but it is true, right? Doing the same thing. But, but there is a time. There is a season sometimes where doing the same thing over and over is faithfulness and faith. And the Bible says don't be weary in well-doing because you will eventually reap if you do not faint, if you continue to move forward. Okay. Anyway, that's my introduction. Let's go. All right. Matthew 10, 16. Do, do we have that? Matthew. All right. Awesome. All right, I'm just going to read you the one scripture. There's a whole context here, but I think from this scripture, I think we can actually get the whole context. Jesus says to his disciples, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and be innocent as doves. Amen. I'm going to start with a word of prayer. Father, we just pray that your written word would become your, your living word. We pray that it would become life to us today. And I pray your Holy Spirit would abide in here and that you would do something at a heart level today. Um, that things that need to come up, that they would come up. That things that need to come to the surface would come to the surface. And that things that need light to be shined on them, that, that today we would allow those things to be shined on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So I'm going to just tell you today, I didn't get to share a lot last week. Um, I We know that last week was like, it's like I, I've got like, you know how you get like notes and you want to share everything all at once in one day. And you know, I'm not even getting to get to a third of this, but we're going to do it. We're going to try. There's one thing that I said last week. I want to clarify this. When when the Lord spoke through Jeremiah um, to the exiles in Babylon, and he told them, he says, build houses and live in them. That was the command, build houses, live in them. He told them to plant gardens and eat of them. He said, have, get married, have children. And he says, increase, do not decrease in the land. And he said, don't escape. Increase, don't, don't decrease in the land. And he says, pray for your city. He said, pray for your city. Pray a blessing on you. Because when your city, the environment around you, when they are blessed, you are blessed as well. So go around and be a blessing. And in those environments, we forget sometimes that Daniel was given that command as well. And guess what? Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown in the furnace. And by the way, I don't think that scripture is about that if you get thrown in the lion's den, that God is going to protect you from the lions every time. I don't think that's what that scripture is about. Nor do I think when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they 
essentially said, um, it doesn't matter if we die or we perish by this thing. We're not going to bow anyway. So there is a part where you are influential to your city and environment, but there is a part where there comes to a pass. And when it comes to the name of Jesus, there is no compromise. And when it comes to your position in the kingdom, there is no compromise. There is, there is. you cannot deny the Lord. You can't, and it don't matter if they put a gun to your head and they, they tell you you're going to die. It does not matter. And, and I'm not saying that these are easy decisions, right? I'm not saying that. All I'm simply saying is this, is that in an environment that has, is full of demons, don't be alarmed when they come after you through people. Don't be alarmed when you're persecuted. Don't be alarmed when you're hated. Don't be alarmed when you get sent out as sheep and the wolves want to gnaw at you and they want to bite at you and they want to curse you. When we were pastoring our church, we just thought it was just happy-go-lucky. We were just having a good old time and we were putting out videos. We were putting out videos and advertising and all this stuff with our church. And, and we had, strangely enough, we, had, we, we were just a little old church with about 40 people at the, on, the, on, the, on the good week, right? Yeah, on the good week. And, and we, had, we had, when we would put out videos online and we would advertise online, like advertise, you know what I mean, right? Like inviting people to our church or whatever. We would have witches uh, communicating in our feeds. And you're like, who is this person? Then you go look and they've got pentagrams and all kinds of stuff and calling on the name of Satan. Weird, bizarre stuff, the occult. Just don't be surprised. It's just, it's even, even when, you're, when you're just a little guy, little gal, don't be surprised that you are actually bigger than you think you are. And so Jesus says, I send you out as sheep among the wolves. And this is where the eternal perspective comes into play. Now, I'm just going to have to do this today, and I don't, I, didn't, I didn't know how I was going to go about this, but I felt like I needed to share my testimony of these last two years and kind of what happened and how the Lord brought me through. And I shared this with, with Steve. I said, I feel like this, this thing that the Lord, I feel like all these three, um, these, the sermon series was what the Lord gave us, my wife and I, during our season when everything fell apart. Now here's the deal. God does slash your tires sometimes because he doesn't want you to run into a, he doesn't want you to run into an accident. So, so sometimes God will slash your tires. And I, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. No, no, no. God is, you know, God is my teddy bear and I just love Jesus, you know, but he don't tell you the truth. He don't confront you. He's not invasive. He doesn't get in your business. He doesn't confront your sin. And here's the reality. God chastises those he loves. He confronts. He disciplines. Gives them a whooping. He's a good... And, it, and what's interesting about his discipline is it's always for our benefit. He sa- his word says that. It's for your benefit. Now, your earthly parents, sometimes they punished you for their benefit. Because you know why? Because they didn't want people thinking their kids were bad. And their kids were naughty. So they would be like, hey, grandma's around. You better, you know. 
So we, sometimes the parents, we, would, we just don't want our children to look bad and it reflect on us. God's not that way. God is doing discipline for our good. Five years ago, five years ago, we were given a little group of people to start a church. And um, I cut my teeth on the whole thing. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do it. Um, every week we came in and it was, it was almost like disappointment every week. We we're like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? What is going on here? Until one day our, 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 one day our roots planted deep and uh, we refused to stop. And we were going and going and going and going. And this is what's interesting. I did not know the depth of the pain I was dealing with at the time. Now, I'll give you a few little things. I was starting to, um, we were working a lot of hours. I was working a lot of hours, and of course, a lot of hours at the church, and I didn't know how to process this stuff. This is before we met Stephen Christie, and we were just by ourselves. And I didn't know how to process stuff. I started developing some very strange severe OCD tendencies. Now, people go around and say, I'm OCD. When you say you're OCD, I, I'm going to tell you what OCD looks like. Okay, when I would leave the house in the morning, I would touch the stove and everything, right? I'd leave the house, I'd walk out, and I'd come back in and touch it again. And then I'd leave, and I'd drive down the street, turn around and come back and touch the doorknob, make sure it was locked. I would back out of the driveway, drive away, and drive right around the block because I was afraid I'd ran over somebody. And I would look behind my car. I would look underneath to make sure there was no homeless people under there. I was developing some very strange OCD tendencies. I started having bizarre fears, like I was afraid my wife would leave me, which she never gave any implication at all at any time. These were just... These were just the voice of the enemy coming onto me as I was getting more and more exhausted and more and more tired and working harder. I was afraid that I was a danger to people, so I was constantly double-checking, triple-checking, making sure I was doing the right thing. I was getting mad, and I started getting angry with people because they would do stuff that I didn't like, and I would say I should do it myself because they're not doing it right. And I told, and I would say this to Eric, I'd say, I told you if I just did it myself, we, this would have been resolved. I should have just, you know what? I'm never going to do that again. And I started not trusting people. I started thinking people were mm, out to get me. I started thinking God was giving opportunities to uh, put, little, put little roadblocks in my way, to prove points to me. I was starting to develop some strange things. Then all of a sudden, this happened. We got, I got really sick one week. And in this sickness, it was really severe. I lost 15 pounds in a week. It was all water. Water, I was vomiting, throwing up. I was just, like my body was just cleansing. And I got really sick that week. And um, at the end of the week, right before the Sunday service, um, I had the, the first time it ever happened to me, I started having my very first panic attack. I never had a panic attack never even thought, never, I've never been a panic person. And by the way, when I was doing all this stuff, I never thought it was unhealthy working this hard and doing this much 
because I was surviving. I was going to the gym five times a week. I was managing it. I was working hard. Things seemed to be okay, but I had some areas around that I realized that weren't good. And it was all based on fear. All of it was based on fear. And all of a sudden that night I had a panic attack and I started to feel, I looked at Erica and I, I said, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm terrified. I said, I feel like I'm in hell. I, I said, I don't understand it. I looked around and I said, I could see myself surrounded in the, like a bottomless pit in cages, in a cage, like ducked down like this. And it, it was t terrifying. And all my uh, brain chemistry just crashed. Serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, all my brain chemistry just... And from that point forward, I thought things would get better, and they didn't. And I kept spiraling out of control to where all of a sudden I was not functioning at work. I was not functioning in the church. I was going, showing up at church. I could barely function. I was losing it. I would go to work. I was having panic attacks driving my truck. They didn't want that to happen to me. I started thinking I was gonna die every chance, every moment. I was terrified every, everywhere I went, everywhere I looked. It was terrifying. All of a sudden I started having some really, really dark thoughts. And the darkness got darker than I ever thought it would get. And I've never been in the darkness that dark in my life. But I was afraid to be alone because I started hearing voices. And they were almost auditory. And I was afraid to be alone because the voices would come and say, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. And it was terrifying. And then I started having bizarre um, uh, visions and thoughts, violence, violent thoughts, violent visions, to where everywhere I'd look, I see violence. Started having homicidal feelings and emotions and thoughts. I started being afraid of everything. I was terrified. I told dad, I said, don't let me operate power tools. And it just went so dark. I said, what if I end up, and then the enemy came in and he started saying things that you're, you're, you're on your way and I've got you. And there was one day I was driving in my truck and this voice came to me and said, you're gonna die, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna use your, I'm gonna use your, you're gonna, I'm gonna kill you with your own self. You're gonna kill yourself, I'm gonna do it. And I started crying uncontrollably. And by the way, I was shaking constantly. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, sleep for an hour, wake up in the shakes. By the way, Pastor Christy, Pastor Steve and Lane, they were, they were with me through all of this. So I was in the first part of coming back to this church, coming to this church. And in this process, this is where it began. This thing happened. And I cried out to God and I could see the face of Jesus. And I was driving and it was, it was almost, it was almost like a panoramic screen. And I could see his face and he started to laugh. And it almost was auditory. And he said, nothing's gonna happen to you. Nothing bad is gonna happen to you. Nothing bad is gonna happen through you. And this is what he told me. He says, right now you're going down a river, but you're in my boat 
and I will not let Satan pluck you out of my hand. I will not let anybody touch you. You are mine and mine alone, and you belong to me. And I began to cry, and I heard, uh, like I could hear him laughing, and it kind of scared me a little bit, because it was like, whoa, like it, it was a shock to me, because everything was so powerful at the time. It was, everything was, yeah, it was intense, yes. Because I, I felt like I was losing my mind. You know when people say, I feel like I'm losing, I literally felt like I was losing my mind, like I'm like, my mind is going, and where's it going? And I felt um, lucid, I felt like I was shapeless. It's a bizarre feeling, but I felt like, what am I gonna do? Where am I gonna go? I have nowhere to turn, nowhere to turn. And I used to come to my wife and I'd be like, I'm having terrible, terrible nightmares, terrible visions. And she would, she would just speak the truth. She would just say, nothing's going to happen to you. God's got, she would send me with little notes to work. Some little notes. You may be going through dark, but you're going to come out the other side. And I would just cling to those notes. I, some of those notes I held on to for months and months and months. And it, I, I'll tell you, when, when, when God brings you through the darkness and he says, look through hell. And if you can get to the point where you can stand in hell, look around and see everything that's surrounding you and still have the courage of the Lord, that's where he wants us to be. <clears throat> when we get to a place, God desires for things to come to the surface. He wants them to come to the surface. Now, he may give grace. He may give grace for a very long time, but eventually he says, this thing needs to come to the surface because I can't have you building on a bad foundation. I cannot have you building on a foundation that is, that is dysfunctional, that is going to produce death, not life. I cannot have you building things wrongly. Now, I'm gonna tell you this, when I gave my life to the Lord 30 years ago, I'm almost 40, by the way. Do I look? Do I, yeah, Eric and I have been talking. Yeah, we were talking the other day. We're like, we're midlife. Like, that, that's weird. Just wait. Keep telling me that. Huh? That was Rick. I, I was just, I, we were surprised when we were talking about that. I gave my life to the Lord when I was seven. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 13 years old in a Spanish church, a bilingual Spanish church in the corner, uh, apostolic Spanish church where women wear veils, okay? And we didn't, we didn't come to church without a suit and tie on. And I was in the corner over in this side and the Holy Spirit came upon me and I began to shake and quiver and the power of God rested upon me. When I was 13 years old, when I was 13 years old, the Lord spoke to me. First time I'd ever heard the Lord this way, but he, he spoke to me auditory. He spoke to me audible because I, my life was going in a really bad direction. And he spoke to me and he gave me a word and I, I never forgot it. It changed. It shaped me for, for the rest of my life. Um, but somebody never told me, somebody, nobody ever told me that hormones don't go away when you get the Holy Spirit. <laughs> nobody ever told me that. So every week I'm coming to the front of the church and I'm weeping and crying because of I struggled with the flesh. You know what I mean when I say the flesh, right? Because
because nobody was there to tell. They would just get up and they'd say, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. If you do this, you're going to hell. I don't want to go to hell. There's a better way to do this. There's a better way to do this. And we're learning it. We're learning it gradually. Churches are changing. And I'm going to tell you, we are on the precipice of something different. Because right now in the church, we are addressing things that we never addressed because we were terrified to address them. We were terrified to address them because you know why? We didn't want to go into the darkness. We did not want to go into the darkness because things get really dark in the darkness. You got to deal with people's issues, their sin, their struggles, uh, their personal issues, their mental health. We got to deal with all this stuff. And a lot of, we, you know, for, the, for years we would, there, there, I can't tell you how many pastors I heard, they say, I hate counseling. They say, I hate it. I don't want to counsel people because I just want people to step up and get over it because we're frustrated with people's lack of progress. And this is not the way. We've got to get into people's issues and we've got to say, hey, this is dark, but guess what? God can shine the light. And where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And this is why Jesus says, behold, I send you out as sheep among the wolves. Because sheep, guess what? They only have one protection, the shepherd. You can't fight back. You can't retaliate. Jesus on the cross, he did not say, God, get them. Now, he could have called legions of angels, tens of thousands, right, of angels upon the people at the moment, right? He could have turned them all into zombies if he wanted to. He could have done whatever he wanted to do at that moment. But you know what he did? It would have been the equivalent of him casting his pearls before the swine. If he did that, when on the cross, he was saving mankind. We are called to be sent out as sheep among the wolves. Matthew 6, 19 says this. It says, do not store up for yourself treasures here on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. Some of our fears isn't really, they're not really fears, they're just a misplacement of our heart. Our heart's just in the wrong place. Our heart is in the wrong spot. I've explained this over and over, but I'm gonna tell you what, if you become a Broncos fan, you will get disappointed time and time again. I, this is the truth, by the way. I know it's funny, and I knew you would laugh, but this is the truth. The reason it's the truth, and, and by the way, people go around, they get mad at the Broncos like there's something they can do about it. <laughs> like if you guys would only, man, they're trying as hard. They're being paid to do what they're doing. I know they're 3-0, and but I'm telling you this right now. Do not put your hope and trust in the Broncos. And this is what it's talking about. There are so many things we put our heart into, and we can put our heart into the hope that we will win politically. 
We can put our heart in that hope and we can just cling to it, never let go of it. But, but God's desire is not for us to win politically. Because if we win politically, listen, you can't, okay, let's say somebody is up here in charge, right? Let's say every, uh, every congressman, senator, um, president, every, they're all Christians. Let's just say that. And then they begin to put in laws. Does, will people get mad about that? Will they retaliate? Absolutely. What is this? This is about the heart issues. And as I explained last week, we want people to step up here and do this. And really Christians need to be, be just come from here and we need to be doing this. And this is the way we, we don't, we, we are sent out of sheep and sheep do not look like wolves. And if there's anything we do not look like, it's wolves. We cannot look like wolves. We have to be, we have to be smart. We have to be wise. We also have to be innocent. The Bible says we need to be, we need to be really sharp, really sharp, really wise, but we also have to be innocent. We don't talk a lot these days about having a heart in, in the body of Christ that is authentic. But Paul spoke about it a lot. Paul spoke about the dressing the, the man of the heart. He spoke about how we need to internally dress and we need to put on loving kindness and we need to put on mercy and we need to put on, we need to put on meekness and kindness and gentleness. We need to put these things on because the world needs strong, kind, gentle people. And by the way, the moment you say, Jesus, do not be alarmed when they want to murder you. You have a shepherd, but don't be surprised when they go, I don't want your message. But I'm going to tell you, on the flip side, don't be surprised when the most wicked person you never thought and you never anticipated makes a turn to Jesus and God intercepts him in a second or her in a second. Fear is an interesting thing. Uh, fear has created a lot of very interesting inventions over the years. Um, I know people who have fears left and, and right. And I have had people when I was pastoring that they would have a freaked out moment in the middle of a church service and they would be texting me and calling me and I'm about to preach because something made them afraid. I'm not kidding you. There are people out there that are afraid of everything. They're afraid that somebody's going to say the wrong thing in the service. They're afraid that if the Lord moves, that people are going to lose it. This is why, by the way, the gifts of the spirit are a fearful thing to some people because they're like power tools, right? They're like power tools. You can take that, you can take that, uh, yeah, there you go, chainsaw. Let's, let's say you just take a regular saw, right? And you just cut down that tree, right? Right? It takes forever. But you take that chainsaw, right? Right through. That's the gifts of the Spirit. They're very effective, but they also can be damaging if you don't use them correctly. So people avoid them. People run from them. People are afraid of the weird uh, prophecies and visions and things that people see in the future and, and all this stuff that happens and God reveals things. And if, is that God revealing things or is that the devil revealing things? And all these things, they, they get into this. And this is where we have to begin to realize that God is bigger 
than the devil. That God is more powerful than Satan and that God will not leave us. He won't leave us. And guess what? We run around, we hit our heads and he picks us back up and said, let's try this again. Some, some religious morality is created out of fear. I was raised in an organization where it was, they put law upon law upon law upon law. Okay? The Bible says be modest. So they said women wear dresses past the knees. Women wear shirts beyond the elbows. Make sure this is covered up right here. Don't wear makeup. Don't wear makeup. Don't cut your hair. All these different, I was raised in these organizations. And then in the, in the Spanish church, it was wear a veil. And, and where do these things come from? They come from a sense of, well, if we get here, what happens, what happens if we pass this up and we get really close to the edge? What happens if people start sticking their little toe in hell, you know? What happens if we get too close to hell? And this is where, this is where the fear has to go away. Because you cannot make these decisions out of fear. There are some people, they make decisions out of fear to either bring their child up into a private school, a public school, or even a home school. They make those decisions based out of fear. And I'm going to say this, no matter which decision you make on how you're going to bring your children up, you still are allowed to be the primary educator in your child's life. No matter how, I'll say it again. Okay. No matter how you raise your child up, whether it's public school, private school, whatever, homeschool, you still get to be the primary educator in your child's life. And so what this means is that when they come home, when my kids come home, I don't care what the teacher said. I'm going to teach you right from wrong. You, you're going to learn right from wrong from, from this guy and from that woman. That, that's where you're going to learn. You're not going to learn values from them. You can learn social studies, you can learn math, you can learn, but listen, when it comes to the values, they ain't going to touch you. And so when I, my, my kids right now, what would we, there's some scary moments. Because right now my daughter is very close friends with, uh, what, what would you call this group of people? The what? The B team. Let's just call them the B team. Some pretty bad kids. And she's trying to be encouraging. She prays for them. She gives them words. But there's some, there's some tough days. There's some tough days. The other day they told her that she was a dummy for believing in Jesus. She's had conversations with them where she's told them, she says, well, I'm going to tell you this. Um, Jesus is bringing heaven to earth. One day he's going to return. And they said, you're crazy for believing that. And she, well, guess what? She just has to say, well, I'm crazy then. Uh, my, 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 da my daughter, Isla, she's an, I, I'm, I'm very proud of her, but she's an evangelist. She's an evangelist. Now, she's also, um, she's also, um, she's also got a lot of emotions, right? So just because they're an evangelist doesn't mean they don't deal with things. Doesn't mean they don't fight things. Don't meet those. It doesn't mean that they're not being sent out as sheep among the wolves. And that is where you have to say, God, you have my kids in your hands. You cannot do it based out of fear. Some eschatologies are predictions are created out of fear. I, I tell you this, I don't know if you remember this, hon. We, our dog, our dog Gilligan, when we were first married, we had a little Lhasa Apso, cute little dog, 
little sweetheart who I always try to snuggle and he'd escape me all the time. I'd be like, oh, I love you. And he'd be like, oh. he hated it. Now, my, my dog right now we have, he wants to be like, he wants to crawl on me, but he's huge. But my dog then was a little Lhasa. And um, he, uh, we were convinced one day he got bit by a crazy dog who was on a leash, but like broke away from the leash and bit him. We didn't, we weren't able to contact the owner after that. And we started becoming convinced that he had rabies. And we shut the door. Do you remember that? We were like crying. Oh, I think our dog has rabies. And we shut the door and we're like, he's acting weird. He's acting out of control. He's acting. Did you know that he didn't have rabies? We had looked at all the signs and it looked like when we were looking up Google, all the descriptions of what rabies were, he had them. It's an interesting thing what fear does to you. It's an interesting thing. When, when you start looking for the Antichrist, and everybody's an Antichrist. When you start looking for the thing. And you can, you can do that. We have to avoid this thing that we do where we always think we're one election away from the Antichrist. We have to stop this. We have too much work to do. There's too much to do right now here on earth for us to be like digging into this stuff. There is a blessing in the revelation of Jesus Christ, but it is not the revelation. You've heard this before. I'm going to say it again. It is not the revelation of the Antichrist, the beast, and the devil. And as Christians, we got to be careful. I'm going to repeat this over and over. We got to be careful not to be looking for the devil behind every Colorado blue spruce in Colorado right now. Because he's going to show up when he's going to show up. And when he does, we just, guess what we get to do? We get to say, get behind me. Come out. Be gone. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and upon scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So, I go through this process in my life. This is a time where I think uh, things get really dark, right? Things are really dark in my heart. I'm having these, and Lane gives me this great thing. He gives me this word. And then Regina gives it to me again. And I don't know if they talked. They probably didn't talk, but he gave me a word, and then Regina gave me a word. And they said, they said, write down all the darkest thoughts. Write down every dark thought. And put it down on a piece of paper. And I said, I want to write it down. Because what if I see it? And what if somebody else sees it? I can't even mention to you some of the dark thoughts I was having. I can't even describe them. Because I'm going to tell you what. I don't watch horror movies. I don't watch them. I don't care for them. Never did. Not when I was young. Not when I'm old. I hate horror movies. So what I was seeing was not a result of something that was in my subconscious. It was just darkness. And, I, and Lane told me, write them all down. Regina told me, write them all down. And when you do, write them down and look at them, stare at them, look at them in the face, and then burn them as an offering to God. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I waited like three weeks to do it because I was terrified of looking at these things. I was terrified, absolutely terrified. And while I was writing them down, I was shaking. I was shaking. I had tremors in my body. 
I had all the, I had neurological issues. I was sick. I was physically and mentally and spiritually, I was sick. And God was trying to heal me. But I needed to let him in. I needed to let him into the darkness. And so I listed, I listed them, I just wrote them out. And I stared at them, and they were awful. They were terrifying, and I don't want to look at them again. It's the truth. But I wrote them down. And then what I did is I went out, and I burned them, and I wept. But it wasn't like weeping where you feel relieved after you're done weeping. It was like, this is terrifying. This is terrifying. And in this process of doing this over and over and over again, I laid down one night, and I said, Lord, why do I have to do this? Why can't you just fix this? Like, you should just fix this. Get my brain back to normal. Get my, uh, get my, uh, my brain chemistry back to normal. Get my spirit back to normal, my soul. Whatever is my issue right now. Get the demons out of my head. I don't know what it is. I don't really care, but get it, get it all out. And when, when I went through all of this process, I said, why do I need to deal with this? And he says, I need you to be able to look at hell and walk through hell with courage. I need you to be able to walk through hell with courage. Because if you can't face darkness and stand firm, then you're going to run when it's not time to run. And so it's okay. I, I tell you, um, what did you say? What did you say? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I'm going to finish this up. Thank you for letting me know that. Okay, let's, let's end this with a conclusion here. Okay. Um, Christ promised us this, that on the last day we're going to resurrect. So there's literally nothing that can happen to you that will destroy you forever. Nothing. Nothing. Someone else's success does not mean you're left out, okay? God is abundant. This is why comparison is foolish. Because you're not missing out on anything if somebody else is being blessed with something. We have to start looking at God's intention for us. And this is why we're, this is why we have to start being okay with praying prayers like, God, give me patience. You know how people are like, don't ask God for patience because he'll bring you through hell. We have to stop thinking that every time we ask God to, to teach us something, that he's somehow going to do us dirty or do us wrong, that his intentions for us are not good. His intentions for us are to bring those things to the surface because he wants to heal everything. And I did not know the level of healing that needed to go down because what was the issue was not the issue. The issue was somewhere down here and God needed to bring it to the surface and say, I can resolve the issue but you need to be okay with letting me see it, letting you see it. There is nothing, there is nothing. All things are naked and open to him unto which we have to do. Everything's open. Everything's transparent. There's nothing we can hide from him. There is nothing that surprises him. There is nothing he is afraid of. He has seen it all and he saw it all on the cross. He bore it all on the cross. He dealt with it all on the cross. There is not a single thing and, and we should not be afraid of the sinful society around us. We should not be afraid of what comes our way. We should not be afraid of any of it. 
And the way we handle that is we do it with, not with courage, but with love, because love fights fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So I'm just gonna read you Romans 18, and um, I just want you to meditate on this, and then we'll close it out here. Romans 18, I'll start, or Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits eagerly, longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's all of us. For the creation was subject to, to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it patient, patiently. Now here's the deal. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we don't know what, what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? There is nothing he wants to withhold from us at all. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Jesus Christ who is the one who died more than that was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us all. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered and this is his response to that statement no 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 in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the final thought here. This is the final thought. I get it. People are afraid of being once saved, always saved. We're afraid. I get it. Right? But here's the deal. Do not forget that the Bible is very clear that he who has begun a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. It says in his word, he says, I will not let Satan pluck you out of my hand. No, he is not too powerful. Satan is not so powerful that he can take you out of the mighty hand of God. 
He has you and he's keeping you and he's sustaining you and he's leading you. Amen. In Jesus' name.